This morning I'm going to do something a little different. I know in this house, uh, one thing I love about KC is you can go to KC Oahu. If you're from Alaska, you can go into KC Oahu and it is the same church. It's the same feeling. It's the same love, same anointing. It's wonderful. We're family. And I love that about this house. And I just have to, before I have you guys take a seat, I want to just tell you something. I'm not saying this because Pastor Daniel is one of my best friends and my younger brother. But it's because you have one of the greatest pastors on the face of the earth. Now listen. Sometimes, sometimes we can get so familiar with people that we forget what we have. You truly do have one of the greatest pastors ever. He's a phenomenal preacher, but the thing I, I think the thing that's so great about him and his wife, Pastor Karen, is that they love you so much. They have an adulterated, unending love for you. I'm telling you, it is so pure and so holy. They love you guys, and you have amazing pastors. And so I just I think we need to just thank Jesus because it's really him who did that. Amen. And uh, what an amazing team you have of pastors and ministers. But I want to ask everyone to have a seat. Normally at this time you remain standing for the reading of the word, but I want to do something a little different. This morning the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is entitled Swords and Hammers. Everybody say it with me. Everybody say what? Let's try it again. Everybody say what? Watch yourself. Swords and what? Try one more time. Swords and what? I want to make sure you get it. Swords and hammers. I believe God wants to position you as a church, as people in this house, to know how to build. God's calling you in this season to build. To build something for the glory of God. Not an edifice for your own fame and for your own glory, but for the glory of God. But at the same time, the thing that God wants to establish within us is as we build the ability and the tenacity to fight. And this morning, we're going to learn from Nehemiah chapter 4 on how to build and how to fight, how to carry a hammer and how to wield a sword. Nehemiah chapter 4, starting with verse 1, Sam Belay, strength, that's what his name means, was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor people, feeble Jews, think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Can, it, can we just stop for, for a second? Do not underestimate the power of your sacrifice. I'm going to say that again. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. I didn't say that first service. Somebody needs to hear this. Do not underestimate the power of your sacrifice. Because some of you look and you say, well, pastor, I, I, don't, I don't think you understand. I've sacrificed this. I've sacrificed that. In the case of even Abraham, as he laid down his son Isaac upon the altar, friends, hear me. God honors sacrifice. Do not underestimate the power of sacrifice. Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that. If some of you are in a place right now where you look around your life and all you see is rubble, you see destroyed relationships, you see dysfunction, you see hopes and dreams that have been dashed, that have been ruined, and you look at this life that you have, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your business, your relationship with God, and you see this life, and all you can see is the rubble and the destruction. But I want to encourage you, because God can do a miracle, even out of the ashes of your life. God can build something spectacular. There is nothing, because many of us say, well, Pastor, I don't think you understand. There's too much junk that has happened in my life. I don't think you understand. My, my life, my marriage, my finances, they're beyond repair. There's no possible way. Friends, listen to me. If Nehemiah would have come with the attitude 
to rebuild these walls and say, you know what, this rubble, I'm telling you what, it's just beyond repair. He would have never taken the step of faith. For some of you, you've got to, you've got to get a different perspective. You have to get a different perception of what you're going through and the life that you have. The devil wants you to think that your life is beyond repair. The devil wants you to think your marriage is beyond repair, but there is nothing too difficult for God. God can bring out of the mire of your life, out of the ash of your life, something beautiful. Many of you have looked at things in your life and saying, Pastor, it's impossible. You imagine the daunting task that Nehemiah had to rebuild a wall so destroyed and with few people. But yet he did not allow the impossibility of the task at hand to detour him. Many of you look at your marriage, you say, it's impossible. <laughs> There's no way. With God, all things are possible. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. With God, all things are possible. As we continue to read on in chapter 3, Tobiah and the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked that that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. Then I prayed, hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. At last, verse 6, at last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. The people worked with what? Help me out. The people worked with what? Now that word enthusiasm means intense, eager enjoyment. Now this is weird. Now listen. Because it's not just a determination and we got to get the job done. It goes deeper than that. I think too often times we say, well, pastor, we're passionate about just getting the job done. Many of you guys, you just got done with a big Halloween event. You had 3,000 people show up. That's incredible. But you see, many times enthusiasm is just defi defined by the work that we put in and the effort we put in. But the true definition of enthusiasm goes deeper than just the work and the effort. It goes down to the condition of the heart. See, there's many times, and I've had to learn this, there are many times where we can be moving chairs. Man, Pastor, you should have seen the amount of chairs I set up for the event. You should have seen all the work I did. Pastor, I cleaned the toilet. Let me, let me just remind you of something. Men look at the outward. They look at what you do and they look at you, oh wow, you're amazing. Look how many chairs you set up. Look what you did. Look how early you are to church. Look how awesome you are. Like, that's right. The problem is this, God looks at the heart. Now hear me, this is a double-edged sword because for some of you, that's a good thing and some of you, that's very scary. Because some of you have never gotten recognition and you're okay with that because you say, Lord, you know my heart and you know what I'm doing. But for some of you, it's a scary place because even while you're pushing those chairs, even though you're doing the right thing, you have the wrong heart and it's detestable before the Lord. Hear me. See, we have to be very careful as we're doing what God has called us to as a church. As we're doing what God has called us to as believers, that we can, we can be doing all the right things. We can be saying all the right things, but have the wrong heart. And it not be pleasing to the Lord. We have to learn how to keep the right heart. Because this is the problem. If your heart becomes, becomes contaminated by pride, if your heart becomes contaminated by ambition, selfish ambition. You become susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. And the worst part it is, the worst part is that the devil comes in and he begins to play tricks with your mind. Oh, no one cares about you. You're just rejected. No one, no one loves you. Look at all that you do. And you know the worst part about it is all your sacrifice and all your work is all for naught. We have to guard our hearts. The Bible says, for out of the heart flows the issues of life, springs forth the issues of life. Friends, some of you are in this place and you've been doing all the right things, but you've had the wrong heart. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in you so that you can put your heart into it? Can I tell you something? When you put your heart into something, sometimes you may not have the strength to do it, but the power of the Lord takes over. You know what's so amazing is the miraculous that took place in this moment where here are these people that they shouldn't have accomplished what they did in such short of a time. But the miraculous power of God intervened in their life and did a work. 
I'm telling you, when you put your heart into it, when you say, God, I surrender my life, I'm going to do whatever that you call us to do, we're going to step into this thing, the power, the divine power of God comes and intervenes in your life. I believe that there's a season where the divine power of God is going to come and intervene in this church. But I'm telling you, friends, you've got to get your heart into it. Come on, you got to get your heart into it. you got to give this thing all you got. Don't just say, well, pastor, I'm going to show up on time. you got to get your heart there, too. Some of you are all, you're in the right place at the right time, but your heart didn't show up. Come on now, somebody. I'm not trying to step on your toes. It's just, it's there. You know what I'm saying? Just... Everybody say, put your heart into it. Now, what's amazing is this, is, as we continue reading on, verse 7, but when Sambalan, Tobiah, and the Arabs, Ammonites, and Ashadites, now that word Ashadites in its original Hebrew actually means, I will spoil. How many of you guys know the devil wants to spoil your plans? The Bible says the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants, he's roaming the world. He's looking whom he may devour. He wants to devour you. He wants to spoil God's destiny and plan for your life. But we have to be on guard. Amen? It says that these men came and heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired. And they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night. Everybody say day and night. Guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Now one thing I love about this church is this is a church built upon prayer. Prayer is a part of the foundation of this house. Now, a lot of people say, Pastor, we want revival. We want revival. Let me tell you, I've studied revival. In college, I had to do an entire report. I took an entire class on just revival, modern-day revivals. And you know what I found? That prayer precedes revival. If you want a revival, it's not just going to do it just through hard work. Hard work is wonderful. But we have to understand that we are in a spiritual battle. And we've got to fight with prayer. We've got to we we've got to understand we're waging war with the enemy and it's a spiritual battle. Ephesians chapter 6. Paul makes it very clear. See the church in Ephesus was fighting a lot of stuff. They were in a spiritual battle. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 says this, "Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil." Now listen to this. Are you ready? For we do not battle, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of what? Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all to stand, what? Stand firm. Now this is the thing you have to realize. The situation and the circumstance that you're in, it may seem like a physical battle. That which you're experiencing in your marriage, that which you're experiencing in your finances, in your body, it may seem like it's a physical battle that you've just got to push through with your own strength. But some of you need to hear this this morning. You've got to change the way you do battle. Some of you got to learn how to change the way you wage war in your marriage. Instead of fighting against your wife or your spouse, some of you need to learn how to get on your knees and fight against the devil. You've got to learn how to wage war in the spirit. Come on, some of you got to learn how to pray. You've got to learn how to get the Bible and say, excuse me, devil, but you can't go against the word of a God. Did you know, I just, just want to let you, you know the power of the word of God? Is that the devil can't go against it. Because it's, it's, it's a signed contract. Everything that's in this Bible, the devil has to obey. He can't go against it. He does not have the ability or the power to go against the word. Why? Because the Bible says that in the beginning, hear me, in the beginning was the word. And the word was God. The word was with God in the beginning. This word is powerful. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It does the work. Dividing even bone and marrow. This word is powerful. And when you know this word, you can use this as a sword to wage spiritual warfare. Anybody with me? We don't battle like the world do. We don't battle like the world does. We've got to learn. We've got to become proficient in spiritual warfare. Stop looking at your marriage. And thinking that you're going to do the job in your own strength. 
You're not fighting a physical battle. Stop looking at your circumstance. Friends, listen to me. This battle that we're in with this church, you guys have a vision. And you're going to accomplish the vision of God. But you're not going to do it just by doing the physical thing. I'm, I'm a firm believer that we work like it's all on us, but we pray like it's all on God. We've got to learn how to do that as a church. This place should be filled. Actually, I'm sorry. It's the barn at the property. should be filled with people throughout the week praying because we understand it's a spiritual battle. Amen. Can we keep going? Verse 10. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired. You ready for this? The workers are getting tired, and there's so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall ourselves. Let me just ask you this question. Whatever happened to the enthusiasm? Have you ever been in that place before? You know, it's, it's one thing. Man, when there's no problem, I mean, what, I'm telling you what, my marriage was different before I had kids. My wife and I, we went on dates all the time. It was good. I got three little kids now. They're awesome. But, and I'm not, I'm not telling, I'm not saying that my kids are the problem. Hear me. But you know what? It's very different to live life and to have victory when there's no opposition. But what do you do when opposition comes? It's very easy for the people to begin to build the wall. When they all unified together, they all joined together, they had this enthusiasm, they started building that wall, but there was no opposition, but then all of a sudden the opposition came. People started getting weary, they started getting tired. Some of you are in that place this morning. You're in a place where there's opposition in your life. You cannot give up. You cannot quit right now. Pastor, you don't understand. I'm so tired. I'm so weary. Do not be weary in well-doing because in due season, you will reap a harvest if you faint not. Friends, hear me. I know some of you. I know what some of you are going through in your marriage. I know what some of you are going through in your family, when your finances, in your body. Don't quit. Don't give up. God will empower you. He'll strengthen you. The worst thing that you can do right now is to quit. Many of us are making excuses, don't we? Maybe I'm the only one that does this. We make excuses to justify why we need to take a break. Why we got to tap out. Some of you have been tapping out. Some of you got your finger on the eject button. Get your finger off the eject button. We've got to learn to fight. We've got to learn how to continue to be faithful. Discouragement's going to come. Opposition is going to come. But what do you do when it comes? I love Nehemiah's response. Verse 11, meanwhile, our enemies were saying before they knew what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The worst part is, how many of you guys have ever been really low? Anybody in here ever been really low? Like, low. Now, isn't it interesting? You would think that people would recognize that you were low, and they're like, oh, let me help you up. But everybody knows people like to kick a brother when he's down. <laughs> Anybody ever been kicked when you were down? Like, take this, pack, like, oh. Right? Anybody ever been there before? I'm the only one? Okay, praise God. Thank God for you. And I've been there before. You know the worst part about this story? Is not only are they facing opposition, but listen to what happens. Listen to what happens. They don't quit. They don't give up. They just keep pushing. They keep going along. But in verse 12, the Jews who live near the enemy, the who? The Jews. The who? They're brothers. Now, okay. Okay. Stop for a second. Let me ask this first question. How come they weren't helping build the wall? You ever, you ever been, let me just create this scenario for you. You ever been in that place where you were working your brains out and somebody was taking a vacation next to you? You know what I'm talking about? You're over there carrying stuff and they're like, oh, good job, buddy. You can help me. 
you know, they're all, they're over there just talking. Oh, this is so great. <laughs> Praise God for you, bro. Lord, just bless them. Anybody ever been there? So, so this is my question. Why weren't, there, why weren't they helping? They were Jews. How come they didn't jump on the cause? I'll tell you. Because in this scenario, listen to what was happening. Here were some fellow Jews who lived near the enemy. Who what? Who lived near the enemy and came and told us again and again. That means they continued to pester them. Kept coming into the camp looking and go, okay, you guys are building some walls. <laughs> I'm sure I can just see it, right? This is just the way I think. I can just see it. One of those people. Walk into camp like, oh, it's looking pretty good. You see, you guys have had some progress. <laughs> Kick the wall just a little bit. Oh, nice work. Hide a couple tools. You ever have people like that in your life? See, the problem was this. They were in alliance with the enemy. The fact that the Bible says that they lived close to the enemy means that they had made camp close to the enemy. That means every word that they were saying was not coming from God. It was coming from who they had made an alliance with, which was the enemy. Friends, listen to me. There will be people in your life that are close enough to you where they're going to continue to nag you, and they've got something to say about every situation that you're in. But let me tell you something. Their voice, their information, their understanding is not coming from God. It's attached and tied to the enemy. And you better be careful who you allow to speak into your life because there are people that have made an alliance with the enemy that you've given them too much way in your life. Come on now. Be careful because some of you, your ears perk up. Every time this person comes along, you're like, oh, what does the enemy have to say? And you love it and it feeds you. And you're ready to quit. You have to learn how to guard your ears. Because not every voice that speaks, especially in the church. Not every voice is derived from God. You have to learn how to have discernment. You know, I'm sorry, but that's against the will and the purpose of God for my life. That's not God. Silence the voice of the enemy in your life. Can we keep reading? Let's go to verse 13. So I placed armed guards. This is Nehemiah's response. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. Do you know what position the enemy wants you in? He wants you in a place where you're exposed. But see, I love what Nehemiah did. He understood that the intention of the enemy was to come in those places that were weak and vulnerable. And to attack those places that weren't guarded. And you know, the worst part about, about us is we come to a point in our life, especially myself. Anybody in here, you got mental issues? Like me? Amen. Praise God. I'm glad you're honest with yourself. Man, I'm telling you what, my mind sometimes becomes the devil's playground. You know, the Bible says to hold all thoughts captive. What does that mean? You have the ability by the anointing, by the power of God, to take those thoughts and say, excuse me, thoughts, you cannot control me. You will not control me. And even in my own life, there have been moments where situations come and all of a sudden I'm like, <laughs> poor me and my head. The devil's just like, oh, I'm going to get this guy. Especially when I get tired. Anybody in here, when you get tired, you're just like, hmm. You know what I'm talking about? And then you get tired and hungry. <laughs> Man, I get... When I get tired and hungry, I get ornery. Oh, I get ornery. Don't mess with me. My kids be like, Mom, Dad's tired and hungry again. Stay away, kids. Don't go. Don't go into the bear cave. But, you know, I become vulnerable. I become susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. But this is what we're learning this morning. See, Nehemiah could have very, very well said, well, we'll just focus on our strengths, and that's just what we'll do. It's not a problem if we lose this and we lose that. He said, no way. We know the attacks of the enemy are coming, so we have to strengthen the weak parts. You know, it's interesting because you guys just got done with a huge event. People got saved. People gave their life to Jesus. I'm telling you, there's nothing that can beat that. There's some of you here this morning 
the reason you're here is because of the event and you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But I'll tell you, I've learned from experience. The fight's not over. As a matter of fact, that the devil's just waiting for you to be tired. The devil's just waiting for your, your guard to be down so he can get you. Put a word in there and say, oh man, you're, you're not worth anything. Try and plant a seed of rejection. Try and plant a seed of hopelessness. And this is what the devil wants to do in your life. But you have to be on guard. Recognize, friends, hear me. Recognize that there are points of vulnerability in your life. And I'm telling you what. Allow the Holy Spirit to become your guard. Oh, Holy Ghost, we just got done with this event. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm everything. Holy Spirit, help. Come on now. I've just, you, you, you have to make certain decisions. When you get tired, don't go home and turn on your internet. I don't know why, Pastor, I keep falling. Dr. Morocco, he cracks me up. This guy came up to him one day and said, Pastor, I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling, Pastor. I have this battle with, with pornography, and I just, I can't seem, to, now this was before computers. This is before the whole thing, right? And so it was still when, when they had those uh, bookstores that had magazines in it and he came to pastor and said pastor i'm struggling with this I, I can't seem to get breakthrough and victory and so my dad says well tell me the story what happens he says well every day you know after school i i i, I come and I, i'm walking back home and on my way from home there's this store on the side of the road and i i'm trying to walk by and i just i can't get victory over it pastor what do i do my dad said well number one i'm going to pray for you Lay my hands on you. The Bible says, confess your sins. He is faithful and just. will forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Come on, get it. But then he said, but number two, find a different way home. Anybody? Come on. Stop trying to go. Look at, listen, we're, we keep going the same path thinking that it will give us a different result. And you keep falling into the same traps. You keep, you keep making yourself vulnerable to the enemy. Guard yourself. Everybody say, guard yourself. Look at the person next to you and say, guard yourself. Can we keep going? Are you guys getting anything out of this this morning? All right. Verse 14. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, do not be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Everybody say, if God be for me, who can be against me? Verse 15, when our enemies heard that we knew of their plans, that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. Now look, they got victory. God frustrated the plans of the enemy. Isn't that amazing? Can I just declare this over some of you? You're in a moment, you're in a situation where God is intervening in your life and God is going to frustrate the enemy. Come on, he's been attacking you. You're like, oh God, when is he going to let up? God is intervening by his divine power. He's going to show up and he's going to deal with the enemy of your soul. But I need you to hear me. Because sometimes our response destroys everything that God did. God intervenes and he does a miracle. And when he does that, we want to take a vacation. So my natural tendency is when God gets the victory, I'm like, yes, we won. I'm going on vacation. And we relax, don't we? Oh, wow, awesome. We don't, we don't, have, to, we don't have to carry as much of a load anymore. We don't have to be on guard as much anymore. And we let down our guard. But you see, Nehemiah's response, even in the midst of victory, Nehemiah's response was this. He said, but from then on, only half of my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. What did he do? He upped the security. Come on. He said, we recognized our vulnerability, and it will never happen again. We're going to get stronger. We're going to be more prepared. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load. Everybody say one hand supporting their load. And one hand holding a weapon. 
All the builders had swords belted to their side. The trumpeters stayed with me to sound the alarm. Get this picture now. Here they are. You see this picture? Here they are. They're building. In one hand, they have a hammer. In one hand, they have a building tool. And in the other hand, they have a sword. Friends, we have to recognize the moment that we're in. You're never going to build anything great for God without a fight. We have to learn how to build. You see, what happens is this. We have two scenarios. We, I've seen people that get so trapped and so enamored in this place where I just got to build, I got to build, I got to build, I got to build. And in their building, they let go of their sword and they put it down like, oh, I'm just going to build. And they become vulnerable again. But then I've seen other people, they lay down their, their hammer and they just pick up a sword and they focus on that. But the problem is you'll never build anything. Look at this picture. Nehemiah understood the moment that they were in. He said, we got to build. There's a call. There's a vision. we got to build. But we also got to fight. Friends, look at the circumstance you're in. And I'm not just talking about individually. Some of you are in a moment right now where this applies to you, but even within this church. Church, you are positioned. God is about to do a new thing. He's about to propel you into the purpose and the call for this church. And if you're going to walk in this, you've got to learn how to build and how to fight. This morning, I want to give you three things just very quickly as I close. Can you guys stick with me for a few more moments? Number one, we have to understand the call of God. Every one of you in this place, and I know this sounds so cliche. I know I risk the chance of this sounding very cliche. But every one of you is called. You have a purpose. You have a call of God on your life. Dr. Morocco, Dr. Morocco in his book, Miracle on Maui, shares about there's, there's four traits being called by God. Four moments, four things that happen as we're called by God. And I want to just deal with these four things because some of you are going through this. You say, you're questioning whether I'm really called or not. How many of you guys have ever questioned the call of God on your life? You know, there are four ways that God calls us. Number one, there's the experience. The burning bush. Moses had this experience with God. This man named Jacob had this experience with God in the place called Peniel where he, he wrestled with God. And in that experience, there was a calling of God. In that experience of the, of the burning bush where here was Moses and he's watching his father-in-law's sheep and he's walking through the desert and all of a sudden there was a bush that was burning that wasn't burning. It was on fire, but it wasn't consumed and he hears this voice coming out of this bush and he has this encounter with this bush and even though he was not qualified for the job even though he stuttered there was an experience that he had that said I qualify you son many of you you've gone through an experience don't allow that experience to be diminished in your life because what the devil wants to do is say, oh, you didn't really have an experience. God didn't really change your name. God didn't really show himself to you. He didn't re really reveal himself. No, 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 no. You were just seeing things. It was just an illusion. Well, some of you are fighting that this morning. The second thing that we see is we see the prophetic word. There was a moment in the book of Acts where the apostles, the disciples prayed because there was a need that needed to be met. And they prayed, and then from that, they laid hands upon Paul and Barnabas for the work of ministry. There's a prophetic word, a calling of God, a prophetic moment where God is calling. You know, this church has a prophetic conference every year. I've been so privileged to be a part of that prophetic conference for the last nine years. Thank you, Jesus. I love it. I'll be back in February. Everybody's like, oh, man. No, just joking. I'll be back. Some of you have gotten prophetic words, and you've got to learn how, you have to learn how to fight and contend and hold on to that prophetic word and not let it go. Some of you have allowed that thing to become dormant in your life. You stuck it on a shelf, and God wants you to pull that thing out and be reminded of the call of God in your life. Some of you need to get a hold of that. God calls for prophetic word, amen? How about this one? God calls by a challenge. Oh, yeah. There's a young man. 
he went to go give his, his brothers some bread and cheese. As he comes to the camp where his brothers were, there's this voice that he hears of a man of the opposing army shouting from across the valley, calling all his brothers and all the army of the Lord names and calling them out. And he's looking at all these soldiers going, hey, wait a second. Isn't anybody going to respond to this challenge? This guy's calling us out. And they're all, they're all hiding in caves and freaking out, fearful. And he says, I'll answer the call. I'll answer the challenge. And here's this young boy, David. All he did was to come bring his brother's bread and cheese. But he saw the challenge and he answered the challenge. See, that's one of the ways we step into our call and our destiny. Do you know if it wasn't for him answering that challenge, he would have missed an opportunity to move into his destiny. That moment, that answering the challenge. Friends, some of you have been challenged in your life, and instead of answering the challenge, you have retreated. You've been hiding under rocks. Who will rise up? Who will respond to the challenge to see Alaska saved? Who will respond to the challenge to see God do something amazing in your life? There's a real devil. There's a real enemy challenging you. I doubt KC will rise up. I doubt they're going to build some huge church on 16 acres. They can't do it. They're too weak. They're too small. Somebody's got to answer the challenge. Somebody has to answer the call. Who will be the Davids who will rise up and say, look, I'm going to do something. I got any Davids in the house who will rise up and they'll answer the challenge. Come on. David responded to the challenge and in that it propelled him into his destiny. But what we see in this in Nehemiah chapter 4 is something so profound. As we, as we read through the story of everything that happened, did you know if you look from chapters 1 to chapters 4, just in those few chapters alone, we see something very odd. Nehemiah didn't have an experience with God. There was no burning bush. There was no penile. There was no encounter. Nehemiah's whole response and why he went and built the wall is because he got a burden. There was a burden that filled his heart that said, somebody's got to do something. Can I tell you, this amazing congregation, as I look out at this incredible congregation, if the people of this house will just answer the burden, you'll respond to the burden, you'll get a burden You'll get a burden for Alaska. You'll get a burden for Wasilla. You'll get a burden for your family. You'll get a burden for your marriage. You'll get a burden for your children. Come on. Nehemiah did everything. He risked everything. People that went with him, they risked everything. Because of a burden. If somebody in this place will get a burden, we'll see walls built. The second thing that we see that took place was there was a vision. I believe that many of us this morning have to come back to a place where we revalue our vision. You know, when your vision gets under attack, you question, don't you? Is this really worth it? When your marriage gets under attack, do I really love him? You wake up in the middle of the night looking at him, snoring away. You're like, do I really love this dude? I don't know about this. Come on. After the thousandth time of picking up his socks, do I really love this man? Come on now. But you, you know what happens is this. When you go through all these different circumstances and you have to fight against all the opposition, it makes you question the vision, doesn't it? When things don't happen the way they're supposed to happen, it makes you question the vision. And, and this is what happens. It devalues in our life, in our heart. It begins to devalue the vision. Many of you have allowed your opposition, your circumstance to devalue your vision. But what has to happen, the thing that made a difference in Nehemiah's life is there was value in the vision. We've got to rebuild the walls. People say, why are you building the walls for? Why are you doing this? Because it's worth it. 
Friends, I'm telling you, you got to get a vision. Because if something is worth building, it's worth fighting for. Some of you will say, well, pastor, why in the world do we have 16 acres? Why are we trying to build a church for? Come on. Some of you have allowed the devil to attack your vision. Some of you, some of you are having a hard time grabbing the vision of this church. KC Worldwide, we have a, a one, two, three vision. We've got to move forward in this. This is valuable. You may say, well, Pastor, why is it so important? Why is it? Let me give you just three things. You ready? Three key points of why we have to fight, why it's worth building, why this is so valuable, why the church has to push. Your marriage is worth it. <laughs> your marriage is worth fighting for. I said your marriage is worth fighting for. This vision of this house is worth fighting for. It's worth building. Can I tell you why? Three things. Number one, because we're going to populate heaven. I mean, now let me just tell you something. We're going to populate heaven. But one thing I love about your pastor is he wants to see as many people, not just from Wasilla, but from Alaska, go to heaven as possible. He's got a passion to see people go to heaven because heaven's eternal. Second thing is we need to make disciples. People that are passionately in love with Jesus. People whose lives are radically transformed. There are people in this place, including your pastor. I, I use your pastor as a testimony, as an example of screwed up individuals all the time. Listen to me. It is not normal to drink from puddles in the streets of New York. Dude was doing that. Your pastor used to be out of his mind. Mom, am I right? Brother, am I right? Thank you, Jesus. He is a living, your pastor is a living, breathing testimony of the power of God. Can I tell you why? Because someone had the audacity to build. And his life was changed and transformed. Friends, we are in this to see lives transformed. We're not in this just to do something and play church and have something to go to on Sundays. We are here to see lives change, to see disciples of Jesus Christ. You've got to get, that is valuable. There are people that are slung out on drugs in this place. There are marriages that are being destroyed. But I'm telling you what, if you, can get, if you can revalue the vision and know that if people can just encounter Jesus, if people can just walk through the doors of this church, they'll be radically changed. It's worth building. I'll say it again, it's worth building. But are you ready for the third one? Can I give you the third one? Let me tell you why you need to build on those 16 acres. Let me tell you why it's so important for you to get a hold of this vision and not just think it's for Pastor Daniel to build some great edifice to glorify himself. This is for the glory of God. Because you're going to make not just a city, not just a state, but a nationwide impact. From this place, it's not just something we talk about. It's Friends, listen to me. This is not just hyperbole. You, you understand what I'm talking about? God is going to use this church to have a nationwide impact. you got to do it. You can't quit. You can't give up. All the pushing that you do, all the stressing out, all the craziness, all the time showing up to prayer, showing up to church, all the things that Casey's doing, they do so much. Jump in. It's worth it because you're going to make an impact. People are going to be changed across the nation because of this church. Can I get an amen? Everybody say, I'm called. Everybody say, I got a vision. Well, let me give you this last one. Are you ready as I close? We must be aware that if we're going to walk in the vision, it requires a fight, a spiritual battle. With every vision comes a fight. You'll never build anything great for God without a fight. If it's worth building, it's worth fighting for. There's a real devil.
trying to stop you. There's a real devil coming against your vision, coming against your marriage, coming against your children. He wants to loose all the demons in hell to stop you. And he's waiting for that moment where you open up that door. He's waiting for that moment where you let down your guard. But we have to be aware, friends. We cannot be ignorant of this. We've got to fight. This church at that barn should be so full of people praying because we understand that we fight through prayer. We fight through the word. You've got to grab a hold of this thing. You've got to learn how to fight. God has called us to build and to fight, to hold swords and to hold hammers. This church, this vision is worth fighting for. Pastor, you don't understand how tired I am. There are people here this morning, and I'm going to pray for you. There are people here this morning that you're so tired, you're so weary. Friends, I'm not here to demean you. We're all fighting. I've been to that point, too. I've been to points in my life where I was so tired. I'm like, Lord, I'm done. Or just take me home. (laughs) Maybe none of you have been to that point. I believe this morning that God wants to strengthen you. Some of you have been fighting for so long. You say, Pastor, I can't even hold on to my sword anymore. I don't know how much longer I can last. God wants to strengthen your feeble hands this morning. Some of you have lost sight of what you're building. God wants to reestablish the vision in your heart. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know what place you're in this morning, but I do know this, that God sent me here to preach this word to you. And I'm convinced of this, not because of who I am, but I'm convinced that this is a turning point in this church, that there are going to be people that are going to rise up and say, Pastor, I will build and I will fight. I'm not going to let the devil steal my vision and steal my purpose, rob me of my destiny. I don't know what position you're in this morning, but the first thing I want to do is I want to pray for all those. Maybe you've been fighting for so long, your hands are growing weak. Maybe you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm so weary, I'm so tired. Pastor, please pray for me. If that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, will you just lift your hand right now so I can pray for you? Thank you, Jesus. facing so much opposition it's like every devil in hell knows what you're about to step into and they're coming against you and they're opposing you and it's not just they want to mess you up but it's like they want to kill you and you're facing it it's tangible you wake up in the morning and you're faced with it every day of the devil coming against you of people coming against you circumstances coming against you you're in the midst of the fight right now you say pastor I've got opposition at every point of my life pastor pray for me If that's you right now, on the count of three, one, two, three, put your hand up. Hallelujah. Last call, you can put your hands down. Maybe you're here this morning. Be honest. You can say, Pastor, I've lost sight of my vision. I've lost sight of the vision. And I want that vision that God has given me, that call that God has given me, to be revalued. I want everybody here, every person in this house, will you lift your hands to the Lord? If you pray in the Holy Ghost, just pray in the Holy Ghost. It's fine. We're a spirit-filled church. There's nothing wrong. Just allow the Holy Spirit to do a new, fresh work. Reconciliation. In the name of Jesus, come on, this is the moment. This is the moment God wants to strengthen you. The Bible says build yourself up in the most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. 
Come on, right now is a moment of breakthrough. Right now is a moment of victory. This is a turning point for your life. Don't put your sword down. Don't put that hammer down. Continue to build. Continue to fight. Lord, in the name of Jesus, every spirit that is contending against the vision and the promise, Lord God, that you have set before the people of this house, we rebuke every attack right now. Lord, you said in your word that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And all that rise against us shall fall. Lord, that the enemy of their soul, the enemy of their purpose will not be affected. Lord, that strength, that faith will arise in this place. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Can we give praise to Jesus this morning? Come on, I think he deserves some praise in this place. Now this evening, I want to encourage you. I don't, honestly, I don't need anybody to come back this evening. This isn't about me. It's about you. This evening, I want to minister to you. At the 6 o'clock service, we're going to pray for people. I'm convinced that God's going to heal people tonight. It's going to be powerful. I encourage you to come back. Receive the word of the Lord. Get healed. Get delivered. This morning, I want to do something very significant. And one of the benefits is I'm, I'm not here for me. I'm not here to collect an offering for me. This is my family. This is my church. It's KC. I'm here for you guys. God didn't bring me from Oahu so that I could get money. I'm here for that. But the reason I came is because there's a vision that God's given this church. God showed me a picture of Abraham laying on his own the altar. His son is, I, he said, son, as I've asked you to lay this thing on the altar, I said, Lord, why? Why do I have to do this? He said, son, because I bless sacrifice. God will honor sacrifice. And I just want to encourage you because a lot of you who sacrifice to God will always and continuously honor your sacrifice. But the second thing I'm telling you, we see this thing happen. This is not just a vision for us to have better seats, a better sanctuary, better bathrooms. That's not what this is about. This is about making an impact. As people drive in to Wasilla and drive out of Wasilla, they can't help but pass that church. They will be impacted. They will be affected. And you know what? It's not just for you. It's for generation upon generation upon generation. Will you join the vision of the temple? And this morning I ask if you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Be a part of giving. Will you participate this morning? Ushers are going up and down. Not one penny of this offering is going to anything else but to the vision of this house. We're going to see this building built. We're going to see this place. Why don't you pray and ask the Lord how you can be a part of this thing? And this week, you go in your prayer closet and say, Lord, I want to do something significant. I want to be a part of building this thing. You're writing a check, right? Checks out to KC or KC. If I say build, if I say fight. Or if I say build, fight. If I say I'm going to build, I'm going to fight. Put your hand on that envelope. 
me tell you why we're about to do this. Jesus took five loaves and two fish from a little boy. And he had the impossible task to feed over 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. The Bible says that Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, lifted it up to the Father, and blessed it. You know what that means? He surrendered. He said, Lord, he said, Father, pray that you bless this thing. Only you can do this. Because you know only God can truly multiply it. And we're going to do this as you lay your hand on that envelope. We're going to ask that the same miracle that God did through Christ, that he multiplied the fish in the loaves. I'm going to believe that God can do the same miracle for you. That multiplication, supernatural multiplication is going to come on. Put your hand on that envelope. Let's pray. Father, I pray. There are people this morning, they've already given so sacrificially, but Lord, as you have put it on their hearts to give this morning to this vision, God, I ask bread and the fish. I pray for a miracle of multiplication upon their life at this very moment as they give. Do something supernatural. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. everything for the Lord, but something happened and you slipped away and you stopped serving Him the way you used to. Maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus before and this would be the first time that you would do so. I want to encourage you, get right with the Lord today. With every head bowed and every eye closed across this place, if you're not right with God today, would you do that? Would you get right with Him today? You might say, Pastor Alex, I want you to pray for me. If that's you, you want me to pray for you today. You want to get right with the Lord on the count of three. I'm going to ask you just to slip up your hand to acknowledge you. On the count of three, just slip up your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, slip up your hand. I see that hand. I see the hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Is there anyone else? Slip your hand up high so I can see it. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Would you all repeat this prayer after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me for everything that I've done. I know you died on the cross for me so my sins could be forgiven. And I know you rose again so I can have eternal life. Thank you for loving me and thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you put your hands together for Jesus? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Would you grab hands with the person nearby you today? We're going to close in prayer. Wasn't that a great word Pastor Josh gave us? Did you know he was my youth pastor? If it wasn't for Pastor Josh, I came in the following, the following Sunday after I was on the tailgate of my truck vomiting because I drank too much and I was deep in sin. And he gave me an opportunity doing our outreach. He let me serve right alongside him and I got saved the following Wednesday because of him that's my pastor praise the Lord come on I want you to pray for the person next to you today 
pray that they would be strengthened, they continue to keep their eye on the prize and walk in vision, continue to declare the word of the Lord over their lives, to be a fighter, to be a person who's willing to work. Amen. Come on, pray for the person next to you. Father, we thank you today, Lord, for the word that's been released. Lord, even as Nehemiah stood there and he encouraged those who were with him to fight and to continue to build, Lord, help us as your people to walk with the vision, Lord, and to continue to declare that which, Lord, you have placed in our heart to work for it, Lord, and to be ready to, to, to go against the enemy anytime it comes at us. We thank you, Lord, for this word today. We thank you for all that you're going to do in our lives and in our church. And we give you praise, honor, and glory. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us, Lord, and give us peace in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you tonight. If you have interest, see us today at 4 p.m. for birthday of a king tryouts. If you're interested in that, we'll see you at 4 p.m. Otherwise, we'll see you tonight. God bless you.